Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Deep Issues Podcast. This is episode number 38. It is day 5,603 in the search for Tim Day. It is so awesome to be back on the airwaves after a little holiday hiatus that we all took here at TheEmpireMedia.com, but it's awesome to be back on, you know, on the air podcasting with all y'all. Tonight's topic on the Deep Issues Podcast is the American political duopoly. I am joined by producer of everything here at TheEmpireMedia.com, Adam Hernandez, deep issues analyst and expert, Ed Zaharsky, and special guest, Dorf, from Politics the Empire and Majors Live contributor. Uh, how's it going, guys? Howdy, howdy. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would like to, I got a couple quotes here that I might, we might get to some of the other ones uh, later tonight, but We'll see. But I'd like to start off the show with a quote. That quote is, There is nothing I dread so much as a division into two great parties, each arranged under its leader, and concerting measures in opposition to each other. This, in my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. That was said in 1780 by John Adams. And I just thought that was a good one to jump into tonight's topic of the American political duopoly. As we know, the United States of America is largely a two-party system. Of course, we do have some other very minor, very small parties, but they have been, for the most part, rendered useless. And if they aren't completely rendered useless, they are seemingly rendered useless because that's how the vast majority of Americans feel. The vast majority of voting Americans feel that it is wasting your vote to vote for anyone other than a Republican or a Democrat. So we're going to discuss this tonight. I'm not really sure exactly where this is going to go. This is a big discussion to have. And I feel like one of the most important things to say is if you were to take a poll, walking around, unofficial poll, walking around, pick a city. It doesn't matter which one. Uh, it could be a rural area. It could be an urban area. It could be in a big state. It can be in a little state. It could be in a red state. It could be in a blue state. If you walk around and ask people, do you like the two-party system? Overwhelmingly, this isn't a scientific poll. I'm not actually asking all these people. But overwhelmingly, I believe that people are going to say, no, I don't like it. I do not like the two-party system. They're going to criticize it. They're going to say that it's wrong. They're going to say that it's evil. They're going to say that it's stupid. Well, let's They're going to say that they wish it didn't exist. Let's, yes. take, let's, let's take a poll right now. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about the two-party system, Ed? Quick answer. Yes. Our, our, like, well, uh, our good existing one? Yeah, um, good or bad. Existing two-party system. I think it can be, it would be existing. No, bad. that has to be bad. good or bad. bad. Good or bad. Okay. Adam, good or bad? Bad. Dorf, good or bad? Uh, can I, I'm going to deviate a little bit. No, 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 good or bad. For now, good or bad? Uh, bad. Okay, I say bad. So that, that was 100%. Very unscientific poll, but, but 100% said bad. Um, some of us, you know, balked more than others, but we, we all said bad. Yet, at the same time, people can say that. Shocker, Dorf tried to, uh... (laughs) No, it's just, my my only thing is I would argue that it's the inevitable outcome of a mature system where, you know, people do vote, is eventually enough groups will coalesce until there's only two, because especially in a, you know, some sort, you know, 50% plus one 
winner take all type system or you know pseudo system similar to what we have now give it any sort of representative or democratic sort of voting um system enough time it will inevitably coalesce into a two-party system yeah, I, we're, not, we're not five minutes in i want to mute his mic <laughs> but the, the <laughs> thing is is that there's plenty of um and and hey these I, other, i'm not saying i like it let, let me finish the intro first please um plenty of other systems around the world and they have their own corruption and problems as well but plenty of other systems around the world aren't two-party systems you know they they, they do exist but my point being with this with this unscientific poll to start with is that people will claim that they dislike the two-party system, yet they keep supporting it. Everybody supports it. We all support it. You know, they, the 99, 95% of the people who vote in the United States continually support this system that they pretend to dislike. Hey Josh, is it is it support or is it just a a, ruth, a ruthless calculus of I'd rather get a little bit of what I want rather than something I I, I can't stand for? It is support, and I'll tell you why. It is support because as a as Joe American, who their only contribution to the political system is their vote, their vote is their support. Period. I mean that that that's it. You know you can you can claim that. Uh, because truth be told, a vote for a Democrat from a person that says, oh, I hate the Democrats, but I just hate them a little bit less than the Republicans. And that person that says, yay, Democrat, and gave 100 bucks to the Democratic Party and wears a T-shirt with the donkey on it, their vote costs, their vote is worth the exact same amount. One. So they do support. They, you know, just, it's like uh, saying, you know, <laughs> I, I don't support my son's drug habit, but you keep giving him a hundred bucks every Friday. Yeah, but you, it, you are supporting it, whether you want to admit it or not. Is it the system itself that's bad, though, or the subversion of the system? Because if it's a, if it's been subverted, is it really the system itself that is bad? That that's <laughs> that that's a great question, uh, and I would actually like to. And this isn't a history show, but I'd like to give a you know a brief history of two party systems. In, in the United States, if I could, because in, in my humble opinion, the, the problem with the two-party system goes down to the fact that we've had the same two parties since the Civil War. I, I actually don't have that huge of a problem with the two-party system. I have a problem with our two parties and with the fact that, to me, it isn't a two-party system, it's a duopoly. Hence the, the name of tonight's show. We've always had a two-party system, actually. Even so, I mean, George Washington didn't like it, but even then, in 1789, the two-party system was already formed. Pre-Constitution, we got the Anti-Federals versus the Federalists. After the Constitution, we got the Federalists versus the Democrat-Republicans. Then we got the Democrat-Republicans versus the Democrats. Then we got the Democrats versus the Whigs. But what's cool about that is, from 1789... To 1859, the two-party system is existing, but the parties are changing every once in a while. The parties are being destroyed, and then another party is rebuilt, snatching some of the people from the opposing party and rebuilding from those left over from the party that was destroyed. But since then, it's in 1860, then we get the Democrats and Republicans. 
Then we get the Democrats and Republicans going into the Gilded Age. We get the Democrats and the Republicans going into World War One. We get Democrats and Republicans in the Roaring Twenties and World War Two and the Civil Rights Movement in the 1980s. And now here we are in 2020. It's the Democrats and the Republicans. So I Josh, guess, Josh, yeah. at the same time, those those kind of on the fly reformations that you spoke about for the you know, some of these parties here in the past, can't you argue that that's, that's happened even more at more warp speed in the most, the more recent times? Uh, you know, it's, it, it hasn't been solid. It's not like the party platform of both these parties has un, has been unmoved or unchanged. Uh, I, I would argue that if anything right now, that, that on the fly kind of reformation is happening at a faster pace uh, more than ever. And as you see, you know, arguably the, you know, research and data points will show this, that you know the the democrats the party that represents the political left in the united states is moving far to the left and so are actually the republicans it's just not at quite the same rate um just a little bit uh yeah. a little bit slower the, the republicans um, are regard. like a decade behind the the democrats yeah it's it, you know and this is what we talked about in the uh you know i in the in the pre-show here between you and i or the group here um it's Michael Malice. He's, you can, he's written a couple books, and you can also find him on Compound Media. I don't know if this is his phrase, but I've heard him say it. You know, conservatism or you know, republicanism is just progressive, progressivism going the speed limit. Which, you know, at the same time, if you actually take like a thirty thousand foot view of it, that's a pretty apt thing. You know, it, it's just the Democrat. You know, Republicans are pretty much the Democrat political platform twenty years later. Well, I would argue that there's progressives in both parties and non-progressives in both parties, which lends to the idea that Adam and I have discussed on dozens of podcasts in the past, and that is that everyone loves to ignore the totalitarian, libertarian aspect of the political spectrum and pretend that everything is defined as left and right, which is a fallacy in and of itself. Well, I mean, if you had to... If you had to define if we wanted to use that you know coordinate grid the two axis coordinate grid you know and, and be entirely honest about it the republican party is probably you know both parties republican and democrat are north of the x-axis but quite honestly there's a pretty good chance that both of them are actually left of the y you know if you actually uh or pretty you know the republicans might be pretty darn close to being on the y-axis uh of that chart if you actually take a a analytical look at it so you know there is it really isn't that wasn't necessarily the case 10 15 20 30 years ago but that's kind of where they line up now especially this kind of the way that uh donald trump is molding the republican party when when would the republican party ever before been out in front on paid family leave they've, they've given it the most honest run and effort you know i know they haven't got anything done on it yet but they've kind of given it the most modern effort in my lifetime you know, honest I don't, I don't know. It's just a talking point. I, I, I really don't think that. I think the thing right now with Donald Trump is that there really isn't a good. I, I, I really don't think he's he's one or the other. I think he is he is an opportunist that is going to basically say what he thinks his base wants him to say. And. He's gonna go. He's gonna go with that now. So, by definition, does that make him a populist? Yes. But the thing with the, I was, I'm, I'm gonna kind of hold off and wait till we get into the, uh, you know, 
trucks. What, what, uh, what question? Like three questions from now. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one it was, but uh, Donald Trump, he switched parties, obviously. He used to be a Democrat. Now he's a Republican. What he ran on, there was no way he was going to be able to run as a, as, as a Democrat on that platform. He wasn't going to be able to run on that and win. So, I mean, it's, yeah, he's class, he's classified as a Republican. He said a lot of stuff to get him elected as a Republican. Um, I think he has a whole, I, I still think he holds Republican, some Republican uh, values, but ultimately, is he a Republican? Eh, Republicans so. are now him. Whether yeah, like, well, yeah, like I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Dorf, you could, you could, you could say that as well. I mean, it's, I mean, he is the head of the GOP, and by, I guess, by definition, that is what a Republican is now. I mean, he brought a lot of people along, kicking and screaming. You look at the first twelve months of his presidency; there was a lot of, you know, hesitation from a lot of establishment figures to to come along. And about the only one you could really say that, uh, you know, mainstream figure that took their ball and went home was Justin Amash. So much so, he left the party. Uh, uh, Josh, I guess we should probably just stick with the question. Yeah, let's let's move on. Yeah, um, you know, Dorf, what you were saying, I feel like, and forgive me for using this term, but I feel like you're you're spinning it in what I view in the wrong direction because you're saying that that that's that the parties are moving, but what's happening is is that the two party system is fake. The what it's not a two. Hang hang on, hang on, Dorf, hang on. We're, We're we got. We, we got a lot to we got a lot to cover tonight. All right, Josh, I'm agreeing uh, with you. Okay, Sorry, I, I know. No, it's all right. It's all right. We just we got a lot to cover. So the idea that we're not losing parties that's because the parties are changing with each other to tell the people what they want to hear. Where that didn't used to happen. It used to be a party actually stood for something philosophically and ideologically, and when that party could no longer sustain a following, it it slowly dissipated. And, and went to the wayside. I mean, I think a lot of people should know when, when studying history that it's not like in 1830 there weren't still people out there referring to themselves as Democrat-Republicans. It's just that party was, for the most part, dead. And the the new system had taken over, and now it's Democrats versus Whigs. But um, good point so far, but let's kind of jump into some of the questions we have pre-laid out for tonight. Let, let's all try to get some words in here, but we got a lot to get to, so let's try not to be too long-winded, and I'm talking to myself here, too. Um, what do... No right or wrong answer to this, by the way. The, these are, for the most part, subjective questions. What do the two parties stand for? War. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just... <laughs> pretty much it. That's they, they stand for perpetuating the petrodollar. That's what I mean, not to spoil my answer for just about everything, but (laughs) essentially you can't tell me that the last several presidents, every single one of them has been like foaming at the mouth to go to war with so many countries, including Iran. They all would have given the chance. And here we are kind of about to happen, but they've all started war. They've all sent people off to die. And it's all in the name of basically propping up that dollar. And to the point of what you guys were saying earlier, it's like people will say anything to get elected, but who actually does, who actually follows through on their, their campaign promises? I mean, look how many Trump's fulfilled. He's basically Hillary light at this point. 
it's they're the same thing they're basically they're there as sort of a the illusion of being a difference and it's just a system of control i agree wait adam dorf you guys want to jump in on this what what do the two parties stand for is the question i think go ahead dorf i'm going to try to fix ed's mic um if anything you know socially they're not too far apart quite honestly um, you would argue that Democrats a little bit, they want things to move a little bit faster, whereas Repub- like, you know, conservatism or republicanism um, is more of a progress at a steady pace. Uh, economically, it's, um, I would say, the, the more liberal side of things are, are more, um, we want to pursue goals regardless of the economic reality, whereas the right side is economic reality ultimately trumps everything before we try and change anything. Um, and Ed, you thought about the petrodollar. You're not wrong, but at the same time, the petrodollar is essentially a key cog in American economic dominance over the world. So is it is it necessarily to the benefit of the oil companies? The oil companies do benefit, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it is. It, I would argue it's more perpetuating American I, I economic dominance. The, the oil companies... Well, you, you're you, well. The petrodollar. Yeah, you didn't. Well, well, well but the, but the, but the petrodollar. It's referred to as that way, but it isn't. That's a misnomer. It's not like a blood for oil thing. No, you're the, absolutely the, right. The, yeah, the, absolutely. the way that it, it actually works is that oil is just the world's largest commodity, and the, and yeah, so yeah, so take for example, say Europe. They take they buy two percent of their energy products from the U.S. Yet the vast majority of that is paid for in. U.S. Federal Reserve notes. Why is that? Why is it that countries who have they trade between each other, who have nothing to do with the United States, have to use you, the Federal Reserve notes to do that? Do you want? Do you want to know my honest answer, Ed? Because we force them, we it, bomb them, because, or we put yeah, sanctions becomes, on them. Otherwise, because that's the cost of the security of the United States. Fucking but, but we're not. But, but when you say the cost of the security of the United States, we in no way are benefiting. No, no, in fact, in fact, we are because, absolutely. Feeling the all the detriments of that. No, that's the cost of doing business of, of the having the United States Navy playing oceanwide traffic cop. You know, because no one else is willing to do right. that. All right, guys, I'm not trying to cut you off. Yeah, the only reason I am is because we're getting into what the very next question is going to ask. Hold on. So, <laughs> so, so let Adam jump in real quick, and I, then I'm not I have a feeling we're going to jump right back into this topic. Um, I wrap no, you up? can't. Sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, it's, it's all neoliberal democracy that's that's what everyone's a neocon well i mean yeah to some extent everyone I mean, the, I mean, the entire establishment i mean i mean to some to some extent ed i mean i would think i would think the right tends to be a little bit more neoconish than the democrats do but i think i mean i mean ultimately i think you're right i mean it's all about neoliberalism and um and that's and that's what the two parties are Essentially, I mean, you've got, I mean, take for instance, the, what was it, the $2 trillion um, uh, military budget that was just passed? That wasn't uh, just, that wasn't just, okay, Dorf, hold on a second. Six, it was $680 billion in the fiscal okay. year 19. Okay, Dorf, hold on a second, dude. Bottom line, it was a lot of money. And it was, and it was, and it's, and it was a lot of money that was voted on by both Republicans and Democrats, Republicans and Democrats that are within the mainstream of their own party, Republicans and Democrats that are, 
that are essentially, uh, you know, bound by uh, lobbies and big business. And the thing is, is you didn't see some of the outlying outlier candidates vote for this. And two candidates, I mean, one, Ron Paul didn't vote for that spending bill. I mean, shocker. He usually, My man. he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> do that. He doesn't do that anyway. Um, but on the left, you didn't see, uh, you didn't see Rashida Tlaib vote for it. You didn't see AOC vote for it. Um, and, and, and those two groups right there, whether you're the Ron Pauls or whether you're the AOCs represent the outliers of those particular two parties. And unfortunately, if you don't play by their rules, then you're going to get ostracized. You're going to get, in some cases, thrown out of the party. I mean, Ron Paul hasn't been thrown out yet. But Rand, Rand Paul. Rand Paul. You, you I'm sorry. Yeah, Rand, yeah, Rand Paul. No, that's all right. Sorry. Um, Rand Paul was, hasn't been thrown out of the party, but he's been playing ball so far. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. Justin Amash went against the party, and all of a sudden he found himself out of it. What's going to happen with AOC and Rashida Tlaib? Who knows? But right now, AOC is withholding a shit ton of her... Um, fundraising dollars from the DNC because she doesn't want to share it with uh, with with corporate Democrats. They're just going to take it and then trash the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. And Adam, she's not wrong for doing that. No, she's not. Time. No, she's New not. York's, New York is projected to lose a seat in the ne- because of the next census. And there's there's a, you know, put your tinfoil hat on here, but there's some maneuvering by the Democratic establishment to make sure that it's her district that uh, her seat that uh, gets eliminated. And I'm not, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be surprised by that. We 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 see this done all the time. I mean, right now there's there's conspiracy theories going on. And sorry, Josh, I'm going to mention it. It's not it's it's not a huge thing. But right now they're they're talking about Nancy Pelosi. The reason why she's in, she's delaying this impeachment uh, this impeachment. Um, uh, trial is just so you have to all of a sudden you have to you have to put Bernie Sanders back in the Senate and during, Elizabeth Warren, and Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. during the crux of a uh, of a um, presidential election or a primary. That's my secret cap. My tinfoil hat's always on. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, and, and, and this isn't the first time, you know, that wouldn't be the first time that Bernie Sanders was screwed over by the DNC. No, it, was, it would it, not be. And it, and it and it probably won't be the the first time or the last time that uh, that somebody like AOC or Rashida Tlaib is screwed over. Either, and, so. and you know, Adam, to put um, a historical note on your on your point that you were making, you were saying um, Ron Paul. We know you meant Rand Paul. Yeah, Rand Paul. But sorry. but no, but that's that is a is a, a good segue because if you look back for a good fifteen or twenty years in the House of Representatives, there's a whole bunch of votes that have that are basically 433 to two. And pretty much every time you see that in the House of Representatives from the late 80s up until around 2000, the two votes against are Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, who were the basic, the two outliers of of the Republican and Democratic parties. They are seemingly, the, the duopoly would have you believe that Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich are polar opposites, yet they're constantly voting together on you know, all these things against everyone else. The Democrats basically eventually just ruined Dennis Kucinich's career and you, pushed you know, him out because he was bugging. You know, you know what's funny, too, about that, Josh, is Dennis Kucinich is now endorsing a, another outlier of the Democratic Party and um, Tulsi Gabbard. 
Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's sticking to his guns, which is good. I mean, I'm I'm glad that the, I'm glad that he's doing that. I would much rather him endorse somebody like Tulsi Gabbard over, you know, fucking Joe Biden or you know Elizabeth Warren. Now at this point, um, I basically they took a guy Dennis Kucinich who had a great record as a congressman, and he claimed half jokingly, but he was serious about how he thought he saw a UFO, and like. The 80s. He really, you know, like he just, he had mentioned that he thought he saw a UFO. And which, there's, by the way, there's hundreds of thousands of people out there who have said, God, I think I saw a UFO. And basically they took him and acted like he was the biggest quack on the planet and found a way to bring it in and insert it into Democratic debates so he would have to admit that he saw a UFO and, oh, listen to this quack. But there's that media control for you. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't fit the, the right. narrative of what they want, you'll get eaten up and, and chewed out. I mean, not to get off on a sidetrack, but Trump was sort of the anomaly and kind of to Adam's point earlier of, of these outliers – you know what some other outliers are? Are the American people. One of the things that he ran on was getting getting us out of the wars because we've had enough of it. We've had a couple decades of it, and we're just sick of it. We see people die. It's fucking ruining other countries. It's so much wrong with it. And where are we at? He got gobbled up, and here we are on the brink of yet another war. <laughs> Almost makes you think that uh, they're not the ones pulling the, pulling no, the strings. No, they're, they're just the... Again, tighten that tinfoil hat. I know, but. figures. But um, I, I'll I'll give my answer to this question real quick before we move on. I, what what do the two parties stand for? To me, they stand for winning. They stand for um, establishing their power. And when I say winning, I don't mean the Republicans stand for winning. The Republicans want the Republicans to win, and the Democrats want the Democrats to win. The Republicans and Democrats want the Republicans and Democrats to win because at the end of the day. They're, the other one's power is where the other half of their power lies. As one of you stated, either Adam or Dorf, I don't recall, as one of you stated how we seem to be moving, you know, the, even the Republicans seem to be moving center-left. It was Dorf, maybe. You know, that they seem to be moving center-left. It's because if you look at recent history of the United States, the country always seems to move a little to the right when the Democrats are in power, and the country always seems to move a little to the left when the Republicans are in power. Yet the Republicans and Democrats pretend like they want to win. Personally, I think they half the time want the other party to win. I think completely the Democrats right now don't want to win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's, I, I, I believe that. But um, we'll move on. The, the next question is related to this one. What are the actual differences between the Republicans and the Democrats? Who are you asking first? Oh, uh, you want it, Adam? Um, sure. I think that. Um, I mean, I think that there's. I think that there's subtle differences. Um, and namely, it, it comes down. It comes down to those. You know, to those social issues. I mean. I think you're absolutely right in that, uh, for the very, very most part, Republicans and Democrats want Republicans and Democrats to win. Um, you know, it keeps their hold on power, it limits the competition, so they don't have to sit here and worry about, uh, you know, the, the Libertarian Party or the, you know, the, 
um, you know, some new progressive party that emerges. Uh, but I, you know, what you're going to get is you're going to get those, is you're going to get those social issues. Um, historically speaking, I don't think it, and, and I'm going to talk about this a little later. I don't think it's, I don't think it's any, uh, um, I don't think it's out of the ordinary or anything like that, that minorities tend to gravitate towards Democrats and uh, white people tend to gravitate towards Republicans. I think, I think there's, you know, plenty of historical um, significance in that. And um, like I said, you're going to get, you're going to get little subtle differences when it comes to social issues, whether it's abortion or, um, uh, gay rights, uh, immigration, stuff like that. But ultimately, 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 it all comes back to neoliberal policy, which has just completely engulfed both par parties and what ultimately shapes both parties. That's it. Uh, Dorf, you got anything for us? The question being, what are the actual differences between the Republicans and the Democrats? Um... Socially, it's not much. It's just one of those that it's that it's a difference in timelines. Um, but as far as economics, um, both parties are big spending, uh, even though one claims not to be. Um, <laughs> they, you know, Republicans are are willing to spend whatever it takes on the economy and defense to get what they want. Um, liberals are more, and you know, the Democrats are more. Uh, willing to spend on on social stuff um, and to get whatever you know whatever it takes on social stuff to get what they to try and strive for what they want um, you know both parties are willing to spend militarily Republicans are just more blase about it okay Ed, yeah. do, you, do you have a, any anything to say the, which um, Dorf I would say and I don't mean this as an insult but I would say your your answer so far, I feel like the Republican and the Democratic parties would agree with. Oh, I, I feel I, I'm like, not saying I like these things. I'm just I, I know I'm, I'm I know you're my observations on what I think. I know you're is. not. I just feel like you're actually giving a great explanation and giving good examples hey, remember, of what I'm, the parties. I'm the, guy, I'm the one guy in the network who's an unapologetic statist I, here. So I, I, know, I know you are, but <laughs> I feel like you are giving the answers that that they want us to believe. And I know I'll, mm -hmm. you're the you're the unapologetic status. I'll be the unapologetic conspiracy theorist and say that I feel like you are giving the answers that they want that they want people to think that they want people to think that these are the differences between the two parties. But I'm not so sure that those differences even exist. But Ed, go ahead. What what are the actual differences between the Republicans and the Democrats? Nothing really. It, nothing that matters, and, and that's not to say some of these issues don't matter. But you're not going to see a difference one way or another. The agenda is going to be realized. Like it, 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 maybe on the surface, the Republicans, as noted earlier, they're just look back in the past of where the Democrats were ten, twenty years ago, and they'll see their same platform. But it's basically just it's the same thing. I mean, they. W one thing I wanted to note on on Dwarf's answer is. Uh, he the economy and the military are the same thing <laughs> so that's, that's oh no i'm not gonna lie they're heavily tied heavily yeah that, tied. that's i mean so they both favor spending on that like okay so maybe they claim you know the democrats claim oh we we're gonna 
cut the budget by a small number. They're still going to deploy troops they and end not, up they spending. They have not seemed like, to want to cut the budget since like Clinton. No, no, no one does, and that I mean that ties into why we have to be having everybody use the dollar because we can't continue to overspend and print just billions and billions of dollars because if everyone stops using it, all of a sudden our biggest export, which is the Federal Reserve note, stops being exported everywhere else. We finally realize hyperinflation that every other country who's done what we have done realizes, and all of a sudden our economy just comes screeching to a halt. But that'll continue to be the case because the number one reason that the export of the, the Federal Reserve note is the way it is is because of the stability. And when that stability fades, we bring everybody down with us. There's an incentive by everybody, unless, of course, they, you, you know, you could argue potentially China doesn't care and they'll, and they'll endure through the chaos. But there's an incentive mm. for everybody, every other ec- major economic player within the world to maintain the status quo because not only do you, does the United States falter, so does everybody else because this- everybody is entwined because – Everybody uses the Federal Reserve. No. That's not entirely true, though, because there are a lot of countries who would love to trade their resources in something other than the dollar. In fact, India has a huge black market for oil. I mean, the, the oh, entire. Absolutely. If, if you want to get into geography, the entire reason everything is going on in, in Iran is because of basically trade routes in oil and how these countries would love to be purchasing this in something other than the dollar because they purchase the dollar. They, they go through SWIFT, they purchase all their dollars, and then they can buy their products. In the meantime, we inflate the shit out of it because we keep printing things. So people lose, other all these countries lose money in that. If, you, if you're China and you're sitting on all these Federal Reserve notes, you're losing value on that just by time passing. It's like the, the worst possible investment is having a dollar in, in, in your bank account. Hey, like, hey, it's not the worst possible investment. It's yes. so ironic, too, that the United States also decided to kill Soleimani, Soleimani when uh, Iran uh, discovered that new oil field within their country. Yeah, I mean, well, right. I mean, if we really want to get into it, like, what what is what is this? Uh, the all the uranium, you know, why 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 can't we let them? basically have any uranium or, or use it because they're not going to build nukes. They, 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 they are so far away from building nukes. It's, they want to build nuclear power plants so they can have power from that and export all of their oil. It's their biggest commodity that they have. The, the, climate, the climate Nazis should be all over the nuclear power idea, by the way. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they should want everybody to be switching to, and, to and, nuclear power. And guess oh, what Iran up. doesn't use? Uh, they, what? what? <laughs> if, I'm sorry. If you're preaching about climate change anywhere and you're not for nuclear power, then you then there's something wrong with you. You should be you're for nuclear power. You're not serious if you're not, if that's yeah. not even a... And sorry I said climate Nazis. Sorry, talk about... Uh, <laughs> so if, if you're offended by the, by the, by the term climate Nazis, then I will. I apologize no, and take that I, back. I'm offended. If you are a climate, I'm offended that people don't, you know, believe in science when they're talking about climate. Whoa, 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 that's fine. And I'm, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. If you're somebody who's for quote unquote climate justice and you aren't for nuclear power, then you aren't being serious well, about yourself. I've, I've got one that's of those, the science. I've got one of those too. If you're for climate science and you're not a vegan, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> Because I've met plenty of those, and you've got something you could do to change your supposed science and, and make a difference. And you know, you can't you can't change a lot of these things that are going. I'm not going right, to personally be able to. Let's get back on topic here. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And hey, you know, uh, real real 
real quick, the the idea with the small government spending thing, when Dorf and Ed, when you guys first got into that, you know, slight disagreement, mm -hmm. I just want to say you're both right, by the way. Dorf, you're right. Both neither party actually ever says they're going to do that. But Ed, you're right, because individual candidates say it all the time. Yeah. In, individual mm -hmm. can't. I mean, watch a Republican primary and they're all going to cut spending. They're all going to shrink the government. None of them do. They'll lower your tax rate by a percent or two yeah, and no, make none you of feel them, warm and fuzzy, but uh, they won't. <laughs> right. Not, none of them do. It, it's it's nonsense. I mean, the but Republican candidates will tell you that they're going to they're going to cut the budget because small government, yay, wink, wink. We all know we don't really want that. And the Democrats are going to tell you we're going to cut the budget because we're going to take all that evil money we're spending on this and we're going to give it back to poor people or, or whatever. But neither one of them do it. They're, 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 they're both nonsensical. They spend the money on the exact same things. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, again, I'll, I'll throw in my quick answer. What are the, you know, what are the actual differences? I, I, I say nothing whatsoever. I say they take individual topics that aren't really even issues. They're, they're created issues. They're manufactured issues. Abortion, gun control. Um, well, gun uh, control is kind of an issue. Well, now. but but the thing is, there, there's, there really is no difference on Republicans and Democrats with gun yeah. control. Because, I mean, to me, the only stance for gun control is, okay, if you're, they, people like to talk about the Second Amendment, but they're both against the Second Amendment. The, the the Democrats want to take the want you to have, want very few people to have guns, and the Republicans want to tell you that they want you to be able to have guns, but they both want the government to be able to control how you get the guns. So in in essence, their stance isn't any different. No, it's they they both believe that it's the government's right and the government's ability to operate or to yeah to operate the the gun ownership system. The Republicans want to say, yeah, guns are cool. We like guns, but they, you know, but they're for common sense gun control. Well, no, then, then, <laughs> then, then you're all for it. You know, same with, uh, okay. Yeah. We're the Democrats are, are against abortion. The, or are for abortion and the Republicans are against abortion, but we keep electing Republican presidents and they keep putting in Supreme court justices and, has Roe v. Wade been overturned? No, because at the end of the day, their stance on it isn't even that different. I mean, truth is, it just should have been voted on by the states like it was for decades, and it wouldn't even be as big of an issue. But by them making it a Supreme Court issue, it, it, it manufactured this huge issue. You know, they, they like to, in every debate, they want to bring up uh, the death penalty. Nobody even talks about that. It's it's not even an yeah, issue. It's like, like twenty, thirty years I know, ago. I know this isn't the exact number, but we put like five people to death in this country a year. It, no, it's it's very. It's, oh, we put a lot more than that. They're just in. Oh, I know. Countries. It's, it's you just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Ed. Well, no, and the thing is, what's weird about that is, um, is a healthy, a healthy, a healthy majority of Americans support the death penalty. Actually, in fact, most polls say that a majority of Democrats support the death penalty, which I know is a weird stat, but that is a, that is a stat, you know, that, that a majority, not a majority of Americans, a majority of Democrats support the death penalty. But, you know, they, they, these are manufactured issues. They, that, that's, that's the bottom line. All right, ne next question. How do, which I guess we just kind of got into this a little premature, so sorry about that to the listeners, but how do specific stances become aligned with a certain party 
Adam, you want to take that one? We haven't heard from you in a bit. Yeah, I, I was going to say this is um, this was a really interesting one because I know I know what a lot of people tend to do, you know, when they're when they're looking at this you, you, when you have Republicans and Democrats and they're arguing, especially if they're arguing about like social issues, whether it's civil rights or whatever, you know, you have Republicans say, oh, well, you know, we're the party of Lincoln, you know, we're, you know, the GOP, you know, we help free the slaves and yada, 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 yada. Um, which it's, that's, it, that's absolutely true. I mean, they're the Republican party, Abraham Lincoln, were the ones that were, that were responsible for freeing the, the slaves. And that's awesome. Um, Obviously, there was there was a change because, I mean, Democrats and Republicans. Obviously, you know, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that none of them want slaves unless you're a wage laborer, which they're okay with at that point. Um, Free range tax slaves, but, but <laughs> I guess that's not chattel slavery. So, but yeah, yeah. So. But this is it. I mean, the change in the parties isn't obviously. It's not something that happened overnight. Um, and I mean, how this, I mean, how this happened, I went and I, and I, and I looked into it and, um, how this originally came about was back in 1948, Harry Truman, Democrat, um, said he would desegregate the military and would support laws that would, uh, end Jim Crow laws in the South. Um, because of this, 35 delegates, Democratic delegates in the deep South, walked out of the Democratic um, Convention. And they would later elect Strom Thurmond as their leader who would go on to form the Dixiecrats. Um, 1957, Dwight Eisenhower, a Republican, um, that's when he sent federal troops into uh, Little Rock Central High School to desegregate uh, that establishment. And then in 1963, JFK broke with his party, because the Democrats at that point were still uh, very, very much in line with uh, with the old Democratic Party of the South. Segregation. Yeah. Yep, segregation. Uh, he sent National Guard troops uh, in to desegregate the uh, University of Alabama, and then kind of the you know the the straw that broke the camel's back in all of this between you know for a lot of Southern Democrats was in 1964. Lyndon Johnson he signed the Civil Rights Act. And at that point, I think that that was that was one of the bigger turning points um, when it comes to the old Democratic Party and the new Democratic Party. Um, because in the 1964 election, uh, Lyndon Johnson carried a vast majority of non-white voters um, because of his support of the Civil Rights Act. Barry Goldwater um, ended up winning five southern states because he was opposed to the civil rights act now that was completely out of the ordinary for a republican during that time um in the 1968 strom thurmond teamed with richard nixon um convinced him he could win the south um in the presidential election if he would dog whistle racism and along with hr hadelman um the southern strategy was developed Nixon won the 68 election. Um, he ended up carrying seven states. And then the following election, Nixon won every single southern state um, during that presidential election. This ended up carrying over to 1981 when Lee Atwater um, ended up refining the southern strategy, uh, which um, 
and this was for Ronald Reagan and, and, and George H. W. Bush, and I think I have a quote from him here kind of talking about this new Southern strategy that was much more streamlined. So it didn't seem like it was outright racist, but there was you, there was still many of those dog whistles. And this is what he said. You start off in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger. That hurts you. Backfires. So you say stuff like uh, forcing or forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff, and you're getting so abstract. Now you're talking about cutting taxes and all these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and a byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. We want to cut this is much more abstract, even the busing thing, uh, and hell of a lot more abstract than nigger nigger. Um, and then that's where we came today. I said it, I said it earlier, too. Um, Donald Trump could in no way have ran his platform as a Democrat, it's just, it's, it, it just wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have won the primary. He wouldn't up wouldn't, wouldn't have had a shot at the, at the general election. But, uh, it's, it's not something, I mean, the racial divide, um, you know, uh, uh appealing to different races, uh, the geographics of, of, of where Democrats are popular, where Republicans are popular, it's not something that happened overnight. It's something that happened over, over a, a course of time in the, uh, in the 20th century. So. Okay. Can I, okay. Can I yeah, no, there? no, jump in. Uh, uh, Dorf, how do specific stances become aligned with a certain political party? So, it's, it's very similar. So Adam, what Adam just described there is just what I would call political gamesmanship. The idea of now it's the race to 272, the 272 electoral votes. Parties become inevitably coalitions build, you know, groups of single issue or, or you know, small number of issue voters eventually coalesce with others with overlapping interests. Inevitably, so you end up having a two-party system where – while the two parties do have some overlapping things that they agree on, the people who prioritize one or two issues will jump on despite the rest of everything going on um, within a party where they will vote for that even though they don't agree with the majority of the platform because the one or two things that they really care about are represented in that side. Parties, from a macro perspective, decide to carry those stances in a, well, we can pick up a few electoral votes here, we can probably win that state governorship there, and this and that. Um, in, in, in pursuit of political power, that's the reason they pick them up. And that's just, you know, give that enough time to percolate, and you end up with what you have now, whereas, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's not an insignificant portion of people who are single-issue voters on, like, for example, abortion. Whereas, it, you know, quite honestly, they would be Democrats, you know, for everything else, but they just find abortion untenable. And despite, you know, the Republicans will at least say that abortion's bad. You know, they haven't done anything to act on it, but they'll at least say it. And they end up, they, they'll be Republicans as long as that, as long as that uh, issue is represented there. Quite honestly, that's probably the only reason why Republicans care about abortion anymore. It is a settled issue. It, you know, it's not settled permanently because it's done through, you know, case law. It isn't, you know, whether constitutional or other, some sort of federal code, it's not settled that way. 
But at the same time, it hasn't gone anywhere now. There hasn't been anybody who's tabled serious legislation to try and, you know, cement it in stone. But at the same time, they're going to leave it the way it is because both sides can fundraise off that. You know, the Republicans can say, look, we're going to try and push back on, you know, we're going to try and push back on Roe v. Wade. Give us your money. and We promise to do that. We promise to, to, to do that for you. And whereas the Democrats can also then go and raise money and say, oh, look, the, they're trying to take away Roe v. Wade. Give us, give us your money so we can defend that. Whereas you could just get this over and done with once and for all if you just fucking put it to actual pen to paper and stop relying on case law. You know, that, that sort of, you know, that sort of coalescing of interest groups, whether it's, you know, you know, pushed along by big business interests or big moneyed interests or, or whatever, inevitably you end up with two groups because, you, you know, if, if I'm a single issue voter, uh, that I will vote for whoever will uh, eliminate the penny because it's not a useful tool of commerce and it costs way too much money to make compared to what it's worth. If I'm a, there's not a, a lot of me in my single issue penny vote, um, so no, neither party's really going to bring me on. But all of a sudden, there's you could pick up the state of Rhode Island uh, if you eliminate the penny. You bet your ass some, or you know, pick up the state of Florida, for example. If you eliminate the penny, you bet your ass that'll be in somebody's party platform. Next term, if that could get him a state, you—it's kind of funny. I, I feel like a—I uh, uh, feel like a college professor grading essays right now. You guys both took that question in very different directions, but made very good points. <laughs> so I, 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 you really did. So Ed, you got anything to say? How do specific stances become aligned with a certain party? Uh, artificially through the media. I think a lot of the stances. I, 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 they're created basically for people to feel away, the way that they do. Like, so t- you mentioned earlier uh, gun laws. Mm-hmm. So in the early parts of this country, you know, obviously we had the second amendment and just about everyone is probably pro gun. And in fact, you probably do the nature of how people lived. Most people had experiences with guns, either for self-defense and war, what have Hunting. you. You know, hunting, yeah, hunting is a big one. Um, and as time goes on, basically, you know, civilization builds up. People have less and less need to have their own weapon. Have a, you know, we build this pretty safe society. We have police departments, whatever, you know. And so, you have people who, you know, they continue hunting. They have their traditions. They pass it down. But then you also start getting people who are completely unfamiliar with guns. And just from personal experience, people who have experience with guns and have used them tend to be fairly pro-gun laws, and the people who don't are pro, far more... Pro-gun. Pro, pro I'm sorry, pro, pro, anti-gun laws. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. And people who don't tend to be more more likely to be on the side of... Uh, for or They're pro-gun, I guess, for gun laws, if, if they haven't had any experience or for any first-hand experience using or knowing about safety or anything like that. Without, I, I keep your thoughts. I don't yeah. want to interrupt. But do you think that that has something to do with the idea that people who like stuff think other people should have the freedom to do that and people that don't like stuff just assume it'd be banned because they don't like it anyway yeah yes. yeah a bit yeah and find things repulsive therefore it must be banned yep. scary black rifles yeah and so you you basically that that became obviously a thing that supposedly divides the parties but it is completely played up by the media just look at every mass shooting and you know based on the definition of mass shooting there's a lot of mass shootings that don't get reported on a lot of them because it's yeah. just four more people in one incident yet certain ones when they fit the narrative they are 
overplayed. You'll hear about it for the next two weeks afterwards. Uh, but you know, a guy who carries his gun into a church and stops a mass shooter because he was allowed to carry that gun and carried it, that gets basically like no airtime whatsoever because it doesn't fit the narrative and it doesn't push either side of the story. So that's my answer is that it's basically, it exists basically just because of the media. It's, it's, it's an artificial division that was created. Oh, I wouldn't argue that that's not the case now that, that they aren't certainly contributing factor. Um, You've, the media in the when the, the death of the subscription model where revenue revenues more solid guaranteed and regular where you didn't have to shock to entertain or to, to in order to make money to get revenue you could you could present the the do the both sides thing or not have to sensationalize but now that everything is so based on the per click and per view model where you know if you don't get people tuning in incessantly or constantly coming back or upset because anger is the number one contribute you know the the research shows that you are most likely to stay tuned in to share with your friends to you know engage in the click economy which makes these media companies money if you're angry you're most likely to do that when you're angry um you know if, if they're not trying to do that to you they're not doing you know the best to make the most money for the company which is the incentive model within the current system. So that's, that's just the way they've got to go in order just to survive in, in business. And uh, that's, it's, it's not great. I don't like what it, it means, but at the same time, it's, it's the, economic I, reality. I, I think that's a little bit naive just to say that because of human nature, we've ended up at this point, there's plenty of evidence to show that it's been tampered with before then. I mean, we've discussed it on the show before, but operation mockingbird, the government has basically paid officials in the past, they've admitted to this. This isn't even a conspiracy theory. They've admitted to basically paying officials in the media. They have connections everywhere. They've basically pushed their agendas for whatever oh, it is they want. Oh, Ed, uh, you're totally right. Why do you think, you know, you're, you should be immediately suspicious of any time you see former executive branch official as, you know, on a Chiron somewhere, um, you know, especially if it's a former spook of some sort, you should be immediately suspicious of anything that's coming out of their mouth when you see them on Fox, CNN, ABC, etc. Yeah, no. I, hey, what what's the difference between the government and the mafia? Uh, the mafia doesn't have 13 years of mandatory uh, schooling to teach you that they're good. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, wait, one quick thing, though, before we begin to move on. I can never pass up an opportunity to correct Dorf. Um, it's 270 electoral votes that are needed to win that 272. Sorry. No, it, oh yeah, it is. You're right. Shut up. <laughs> 269 represent. There's some, built into the constitution. There's supposed to be this really cool method where it could be a tie and go to the house and it's decided there. And that could really come in handy. But when it's, a, never when, it, when a it's a two party duopoly, then the mythical magic number is 269. That they, if they, if they both add up to 269, it can go to the house. It's supposed to be that like other people are supposed to get electoral votes and make it hard to get that 270 number. But when it's a duopoly, then, you know, of course it doesn't work anymore. Uh, for me real quick on how do specific stances become aligned with a certain party? I will say, um, that it's manufactured. Um, and I will save most of my answer because most of my answer to this question uh, is actually more akin to the next question we're going to ask. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll back off from there. But um, 
I, a while ago, tried to stop referring to political parties as parties. I think it's much more apt to refer to them as tribes. Cartels. I think I, I think we those parties are fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't want to? Who doesn't like a party? Society, you live in. I'm an You know what? Ed, that's so funny that you say that because there, there's truth to that. That that's why you know vocabulary is so important. You know, yeah, parties are fun. Who wouldn't want to be a party? But I think you know it's such a tribal mentality within the the followers of these two parties that I, I feel like the word tribe is much more apt than to call them parties. So whether you agree with that statement or not, how was this tribal mentality established? Adam, we made you start the last few. Let's 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 go to Dorf. How what, what do you have an answer to that? How was the tribal Humans mentality established? We're very good at binary thinking. We like uh, whether you know we could examine the the evolutionary biological reasons or societal reasons for this up the wazoo. Uh, there's research that shows to a bunch of conclusions of this. We like good versus bad, good versus evil, my team versus your team, uh, one, one and zero. It's very easy for human beings, especially who don't make this kind of like their professional job to analyze things to, you know, just simplify things to my team, good, other team, bad. Um, which, you know, and the majority of people, you know, politics is stressful. Uh, you know, they get, just got off of a tough, stressful day at work. The last thing they want to do is get stressed out by the news. Mm-hmm. So they take it in very simple sound bites and bumper sticker slogans, which, you know, equals my team good, your team bad. That's as simple as it. You know, I, you could argue there's, there's plenty of research that would show many conclusions of why this has happened. But, you know, my team good, your team bad is, is essentially – what it boils down to. Now, I, I think that's a really good answer, actually, Dorf. And uh, um, honestly, I, I'm ashamed of all of us that that's the first time the word binary has come up in this uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in this discussion because it's an extremely important word and is very descriptive of what we're talking about. Ed, we'll throw it to you. How was how was this tribal mentality established? My my answer here doesn't differ too much from my previous one. I mean, they basically pick at things that they know will basically draw people in the media that is and yank on your heartstrings yeah i mean that's it's complete manipulation i mean that's there are people who depending on you know various circumstances could have easily have gone one way or the other or maybe you know those sort of centrists who switch one way or the other because just they've been inundated with something on the tv or facebook or whatever that maybe they seem to care more about that moment or they care more about it at that moment because they've been inundated with it and decide to swing the other way. Adam, you want to jump in on this one? How, how was the tribal mentality established? I think, I think it's conditioned from, you know, you know, from grade school on up. I mean, I think every single one of us in here has probably taken a, uh, a civics class or two in high school or middle school. And think back to that when we were, in those civics classes, how often did we learn about third-party politics? How often did we learn about libertarians? Yeah. Other than or, when, uh, no, God, I forget who it is. Who was the guy who won a couple states as a third-party candidate? That's about the only time you Ross Pro. I mean, you, Ross, Ross, Pro Ross, didn't, Ross Pro actually did not win any states. No, he didn't win he any won, states. He won 19% he won of the 19, popular yep. vote, which is, which is very big for a third-party candidate, but it also lends to the craziness of our system that with winning 19%, Zero points on the board awarded for that. You know what's funny, too, about that, though, Josh, is you look at that, you look at what Ross Perot was able to do in, what was that, the 92 election? 
Um, uh, yes, ninety two. He ran again in ninety six and got about eight or nine percent. Yeah, but you look you look at that, and it's something about that is very very concerning. I'll get back on track here in a second, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean that that it's it's very concerning about the course. You know, that's something else that's concerning about the course of our political system in the United States is that Ross Perot was able to essentially by himself 19 percent of the vote in 1992 and you look at things now and will we ever see a ross perot go and do that no and i'll tell you why because right now we have billionaires they they've they've discovered that they're not going to be able to do that on their own what they have to do is they have to get into one of the two political parties and uh and, and spend their way that way I'm looking at Tom Steyer. I'm looking at Michael Bloomberg, Mm -hmm. who were out of the majority of this race up until now, until they decided, you know, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw millions of dollars. I'm going to spend millions of dollars in Facebook ads. Bloomberg spent like 250 million so far to try and catch up. 250 million in two weeks. And and he's and he's not even running in Iowa. He's not even running in Iowa. He's going to pick up later on. And and something that's concerning about that now in in. I'm not fans of theirs by any stretch of the means. I'm not. I'm not a fan of Kamala Harris. I'm not a fan of Cory Booker. But you look at both of those two candidates, former candidates, mm-hmm. both well-known senators, well-known Democratic senators. They had to drop out because they didn't have the funds to continue running. Now, again, I'm not a fan of either of them. I think. I think both of them are are, are centrist corporate Democrats that. Um, I sure as hell don't want to see them as president of the United States. But what do you mean you don't want President Spartacus? But where does that? But where is the? Uh, where is the political system going? Are we? Are we slowly moving to uh, a, a landscape here where only millionaires and billionaires are able to? Uh, that's slowly. We're there. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's. I mean, is what? Tell me why that's different than an aristocracy. It's there's nothing different about it, and you and you look at Donald Trump. Donald Trump mm-hmm. had is a billionaire. Was able he to go pretty much self funded all the way through uh, the end of the Republican primary. Yeah, you know, was able this is, was able to get in there and uh, and win himself the election. But there's there's nothing wrong with somebody, or maybe even if you want to say every leader we have being a, a millionaire or billionaire. It's just that you know that every single last one of them got it through deception. <laughs> But you know what? I, I want to real you know a point to your point, Adam. Mm-hmm. And this this is off topic to some degree, but it's it's a thing that um, you know Donald Trump did this, Bloomberg did it as mayor, and uh, other people have said Ross Perot is an example of somebody that said he was going to do this if elected. I'm actually very against. It seems like a dumb little thing to be against, but because it is a dumb little thing to be against. But I'm very against when presidents say. Or when politicians say that they won't take the the money that we give them, I, I very much oppose the idea when a guy like Trump says, "I'm not taking the presidential salary," because when you're doing that and you and someone is given credit for not taking the salary that the that we the people provide for them, what you're doing is setting giving, up a system where only the rich can be in politics, right? Right. Personally, I would love to elect a person, president of the United States, that needed that four hundred grand a year to survive. Well, you know what? How much is you know, Donald- I, I really I would like that person. Not only that, it's easy for Donald Trump to say that because how much money is he making off of his little excursions back to his own uh, 
back to his own buildings and, and, and properties. Right. Oh no, for sure. You know, he's sitting there he's sitting there charging Secret Service to have offices within Trump Tower. You know he's probably charging, you know, Secret Service and everything to hold up in, in Mar a Lago. So yeah, Donald Trump he's he's good at saying that. I'm you know, I'm donating this check to this. I'm not taking that, but he's making it all back through, you know, the bill he's probably giving the United States I'm not, Adam, I'm not saying you're wrong overall, but Mar a Lago is actually in worse financial shape. And I started this tangent and I, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to, you know, go off on it too much. But it, it's just I to me, when when a politician says we're not I'm not taking this money, I'm going to donate it to this. I'm not taking the money. I'm going to refuse the salary. Got, we the people should say, no, it's yours. You take it whether you want it or not. It's going well, in your goddamn bank here's account. Another and thing. Like out of the current field of those left standing. Pete Buttigieg is like the only one who isn't independently wealthy. Sure. Believe it or not, if you look at Pete Buttigieg's statements, he's broke. Well, but <laughs> like, you know, personally and, broke. You mean Mayo Pete? And Mayo. and hey, you know, I'm I'm I definitely like criticizing Trump for this. The Democrats do it too. I mean, Barack Obama had a net worth of around two hundred grand when he became president. Was president for eight years and somehow had a net worth of four and a half million when he got out. That that sh- I don't know why that is it, but it shouldn't be. I mean, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't know why. I mean, as, there's going to be some, some appreciation if you hold some sort of property because of mandatory Secret Service improvements, but it, and, and that's yeah. fine. I just to, to quote Harry Truman: "There's no money in politics. If you're making money as a politician, you're a crook." There's just no way to make it, especially that high. But really, in mm-hmm. any the president and anywhere in Congress, just without basically getting sucked up by bribes and everything sure. else it's just it's mm-hmm. going to happen to everybody if you don't take it somebody else will yeah. and you won't you won't go move forward if either if you don't take exactly it. somebody else will, somebody else will take it and they'll have your job no i so i mean to did, did we get everybody on the conditioning or the uh the we didn't talk to you Ed, about the how how is the tribal mentality established yeah, mine was oh same, you did we did okay did we get everybody else yep okay the the, I, I, I like what Adam said a lot. I like what all you said, but the, the conditioning, I think, is a key word. And what's so awesome about this conditioning plan that the, the two tribes have instituted here is that it actually works both ways. You know, because you get the conditioning from your school, from your public or your private school. You get conditioning from your, uh, your neighborhood. You get a ton of conditioning from your parents. Right. You know, I mean, we all get that. We get, we get conditioning from our parents. But what's what works so great about that is that some people take the conditioning the opposite way. Some people like to vote the same way their oh, parents man. did. Right now some people like to vote to the same way. Not for Alex Jones. I'm, we're breaking the conditioning. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, I, I, okay, I am. If Alex Jones has said that, then I agree with him. But if, um, I think yeah, he was talking about something else. But... <laughs> But, you know, you, you get some people take that conditioning from their public school and think, wow, I'm so smart now. I learned all this stuff at school and they, they do what they're told. Some people take it from their church or from their their family or their community or their neighborhood. But some people then do the opposite and they like they like to rebel and they think they're so rebellious because their parents were Republicans and now they're voting Democrat or their their neighborhood was Democrats and they vote Republican. You're not rebelling against anything, pal. You're not rebelling against anything. You're, you're, you're part of this. You are part of this system, and you, you leaped tribes. That's it. 
the two tribes control it and you went to the other tribe that's it you you you're you're not a rebel you're there's there there is nothing special about you no you, there isn't i think it's um i think mostly you see this too among among centrists mm-hmm. and on, on both sides of the aisle um i generally don't think you see you know too much tribalism if you're further right or further left because typically when you you what you run into is and i and i hate this and it's happening right now just because you know the the democrats don't hold the white house but you always hear people saying i'll vote blue no matter who Mm -hmm. and to me that's i mean of course centrist democrats love people saying that because they they hold the power they make the rules and um they're going to be favored to win in every single primary that they hold and of course it's easy to say that but as soon as as soon as a candidate who is not within the mainstream of the party starts to deviate from that or criticize then all of a sudden it's 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 hey man why don't you why don't you just why don't you just back the candidate why don't you just get in line and back mm-hmm. the candidate? Because we saw we saw exactly. it exactly get in line. Get we line. yeah get in line. We saw it in twenty sixteen with with Bernie Sanders. I mean, Hillary Clinton. I heard her. I, if if you haven't heard her Howard Stern interview, I, I recommend you you go and listen to it because she is still still bitching about Bernie Sanders not backing her soon enough, and it seems like she she still holds tons of animosity. She still holds. I mean, she, in some ways, it seems like she still blames bernie sanders for losing that election when in in, in reality she stole it from him <laughs> yeah, in reality yeah her hillary clinton debbie wasserman schultz stole the election from bernie sanders bernie sanders you know he he ended up backing her he ended up campaigning for her he ended up saying that uh that you know he announced the delegates in her favor at the democratic national convention <laughs> if anything it's probably cost him in the long term it's it cost him a lot of credibility with some of the his more hardline folks in this cycle well i don't i don't know if you know, i i see what you're saying Dover. i don't know if it's quite that i mean i'm sure there are people disappointed that he didn't go further or he didn't you know criticize her more over that but um, it's 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 stuff like that that is really that is really sickening and annoying when you have the mainstream of the party sit here and try to dictate and say, hey, you know, it's time for you to get in line. It's time for you to support your candidate. When in actuality, it's time they, to kiss the ring. Yeah, exactly, Dorf. Yes. They they never they never sit there and it never goes both ways. I mentioned the thing about AOC earlier. Good for her. Good for her. There's no reason why she should be sharing any of that money whatsoever with the rest of the Democratic Party, who's going to sit here and try to sabotage her and, and the rest of the progressives within the Democratic Party going forward. And it's, I mean, what is she going to do? Is she going to sit there and and, and and share funds with with Joe Manchin and Blue Dog Democrats? That's fucking stupid. When they're going to spend all their time trashing progressives and 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 just in and, and talking about how yeah they're just they're just the kids at the at, at the at the big boy table and and this is what we really need to focus on right now they take the money with the old tired talking about oh yeah unions yeah yeah exactly and it's and it's the same and it's the 
same thing with it's the same thing with, with on the other side too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, you're right. No, and and what's you know without pinpointing it too much here, what what's really unique about the last election is when you have two sociopathic narcissists in control of the party, like Donald Trump and and Hillary Clinton. I mean, when it comes to Hillary Clinton, she's unique because she truly believes that that I mean, her losing the election is everyone's fault but hers. Yeah, it's Bernie Sanders' fault. It's it's James it, Comey's fault. Right. It's, it's it's Debbie Wasserman Schultz's fault. Even though she, you know, broke every rule to, yeah. to, to back. And if, if you guys, if you guys, it's have Donald heard. Trump's fault. It's it's the American people's fault because they're deplorable and stupid. It's the you know, and, and that same with when when Trump uh, receives any uh, you know negative input. It, it's the media's fault. It's Hillary Clinton's fault. It's crooked Hillary. It's um, you know, it's it's stupid Ted Cruz or it's it's whoever. It's uh, lion Ted. Right, it's the uh, energy job. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's who's uh, what, what's the porn star's name? Uh, Stormy Daniel. Yeah, Stormy Daniel. It's which, her fault. Well, which for coming one? Out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which you know, whatever. You know, dude, dude, banks porn star is cool. Whatever, but it's just you know, it's oh, oh sorry, you did do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like whether whether you want to, you know, you want to be mad at her for coming, you know, for exposing you. And yes, she did expose him to, you know, to. To screw him over. That that is why she did it. But like, well, you you did nail her, right? Yeah. Okay. okay cool. Uh, we're, 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 we're good. At, okay. And you know, you did uh, you you did pay her to not talk about it, right? Yeah. That. Oh, oh she's a crappy person because she took the money and she, you know, and she said it anyway. You know what? That's true. She is. But again, you know, she's not the president. Like, you you did nail her though, right? <laughs> You know, I mean, okay, all right, good. We're we're good on that. You know, and 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 and, and Hillary is that kind of that that same kind of monster, if you will. That she's, you know, oh, it's just it's everybody else's fault. It's uh, you know, who's it's not Al Gore's fault that he lost in ninety, you know, in uh, two thousand. Mm-hmm. It, it's Ralph Nader's fault. It's if all you jerks didn't vote for Ralph Nader in Florida, you know, Al Gore lost to Bush in Florida by less votes than Ralph Nader received. It's Ralph Nader's fault. Because you jerks dared to use your franchise right to vote for somebody other than a Republican or a Democrat. How dare you? You don't own that vote. The tribes own that vote. The Democratic tribe and the Republican tribe own your vote, and you better pick one to vote for. Or you're you're a loser. You're just, oh, geez. Oh. You know, I mean, I, I get that all the time. I voted for Gary Johnson last time. So it's a good thing Trump won Michigan. All those, it's like, guess what, guys? There's no way I was voting for Donald Trump, okay? Gary Johnson, Vermin Supreme, whoever. <laughs> it wasn't happening, all right? That's my vote. I own that vote. The Republicans don't own my vote. The Democrats don't own my vote. Nobody owns my vote. I own my vote. Do you know what else I can do with my vote if I want to? Nothing. Throw it away. I don't have to vote yeah, if I don't, don't want have to. to vote. Yeah. I, maybe I you think. You take vote, your ball and go home. Yeah, maybe I think voting's stupid. So I don't want to vote, but you still vote. do it. <laughs> oh, I, I still do it. I still do it. I, I'm, you know, I'm speaking in the abstract here. I voted for Republicans. I voted for Democrats. I'm not sure if I ever will again, but I have. I have. You know, I, I'm, I'm old. I've been around a long time. <laughs> I've, I've voted for, I've voted for both in my life. But yeah, I, you know, some I, and and people say, oh, you're just you're. There's something wrong with you because you'll only vote for a candidate that's perfect. You're never gonna have the perfect candidate. 
No, I never said that. And people who vote for the third party never said that. They never said that they would only vote for the perfect candidate. But it doesn't mean they're going to vote for a candidate that sucks just because they suck a little bit less than the other candidate that really sucks. Something I'm hearing a lot now too, Josh, um, is you know now that uh, you know we're kind of back where we were in some cases with uh, the 2016 mm-hmm. um, Democratic primary. But uh, you know, it's it's almost like. Mainstream Democrats sit here and and use somebody like Bernie Sanders, him not actually being a Democrat against him, mm-hmm. and as it, they use that as justification to really fuck him over. And it's and they're always like, well, you know, he's not really a Democrat anyway. Like that's like right. that makes fucking him over okay. Like that makes MSNBC or CNN come out with all these hit pieces on them like what came out the other day with uh with with elizabeth warren i wish i wish we were able to get the the tv on in here it working because i would love to see what uh, elizabeth warren had to say about those um those reports about bernie sanders supposedly telling her oh not- I, I i have news on that front if you'd like it she doubled oh. down on them oh it's not surprising it's not surprising her saying that oh well you know uh, Bernie told me not to run, or he said that a, a woman will never, you know, become president. And he was basically telling me not to run for president, which is com- a complete and total lie because it like was Bernie said that to Hillary Clinton. Like there's there, no, there no, was Elizabeth, he said, he said, he said, oh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth yeah, okay. to Elizabeth Warren. But and and that's and that, that's the dirtiest thing that is that is really come out so far in this Democratic mm-hmm. pi- primary is is Elizabeth Warren just outright lying about something like that to you know against somebody that's supposed to be her friend and it was bernie sanders that actually told elizabeth warren to run in 2016 against hillary clinton so they would have a progressive candidate a progressive woman going up against a neoliberal centrist which Elizabeth Warren's a neoliberal too, mm-hmm. but a little bit more progressive than Hillary Clinton is. And she was a fucking coward. She didn't do it. She didn't do it because you know what? She liked Hillary too much. And she, you know, instead of running against her, we're going to go ahead and campaign for her. Wasn't her turn yet. It wasn't her turn yet. Right. But what, is, what does Elizabeth Warren do now? She gets into the race and runs against Bernie Sanders. Right, <laughs> and it's, she's too old. This is her last chance. And it's dance. and it's and it's and it's so funny because the 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 um the source on that the source on Bernie Sanders supposedly um saying that stuff to Elizabeth Warren is it's it's Elizabeth Warren. That's the that's the source on that. And Tulsi Gabbard actually came out and said, um, Bernie Sanders never said that to me. He was actually he actually came out and said that he hopes that I would get into the race. She he, he yeah. she she thought or he thought that I would add something to the race and I hope and he would hope that I would get into it. Can I have maybe a little twist to this and just be like sure. a little bit sexist? Is so why 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 do Democrats get their panties in a bunch about this? Like, what if he did say it? If if legitimately he said, "Hey, I don't think a woman could win." If it were actually true, it's not like he's necessarily even being sexist. Like, what's the big deal? Like, I would be cool with it yeah. if he actually said it. Like, no, I, I don't, well, I don't I think, have any I, ill will well, towards I mean, the guy I mean, for I mean, it. I mean, I think we would need to hear that. <laughs> we would, we would, here, forty-five for forty-five. We would need, we would need to hear the context behind yeah. it. 
I mean, because maybe maybe Bernie Sanders did say something along those lines, but what was the context behind saying but, but, something? But you like have the that? top people in the party, and you're if you're sitting there strategizing, saying how could we win, and if the data that you have shows that you very likely are not going to win, and you want to go with somebody you think you could win, it could be a very true statement to say. I guess what I'm saying is. Even if, even if it's true, like it's not even necessarily right. bad. Like, what's, what's your, the big what, fucking deal? What you're saying, Ed, is that Bernie, <laughs> even if he said that, he's not saying he doesn't want a female president. He's saying yeah, that, that there's nothing wrong either way. And the thing is, he probably didn't even say. I'm sure he didn't even say it. But but you know, I, I can I see your point, Ed. You know, it's if he's talking from a strategic point of view. You yeah, know, like. Well, you know, I don't think I don't think I don't think Bernie would be one speaking from. A strategic point of view, it's just simply because I think strategy and and um, is is really I don't want to say strategy, but probability is is going against somebody like Bernie Sanders, and it has been ever since he started you know campaigning well, in twenty sixteen. I, I, I might disagree with that. I don't think it was probability. I think it's the Democratic Party that's against him. Well, that's, he, he had that, a decent chance of, well, of winning. Well, that's par- that's part of what I'm getting at. He, here, he so. might be the best candidate against Trump this time. I and think chances is. are he's not going to get the he nomination. Is, he is They're the, not going to give it to him yet again. The, he is the best candidate to go against Donald Trump because what do we have? What do we have going right now? We have Elizabeth Warren who's going to sit there and cower because we've we've seen her. Play She's into, a terrible debater. Donald Trump will eat her alive. Well, I don't think I don't think it comes to that. I think Donald Trump's a terrible um, on the debate stage as well. But he will fall into all of his troll jobs. I mean, I mean, look at the Native American thing. What did she? You can't what, lie that that doesn't make her look small. What did what did she? What did Elizabeth? Happens. What did Elizabeth Warren go and do? She went and got a DNA test. That just plays right into it. <laughs> Joe Biden and then still published it when it was only one one thousand. Joe Biden. Joe Biden has tons of baggage on him. I mean, I mean, Pete Buttigieg is just another one of those neoliberal centrist. <laughs> Um, white bread candidates that offers absolutely nothing of change to. But um, by the way, for the audience, we didn't say this directly, but we are discussing the final question here. We have been for a bit. Uh, we're examining the system of control, which is our, our final segment here. Oh, I've we're, got, yeah, we're, we're, sorry. I've, no, got, no, I've, got, I've got something else. On that no, no, I'm sure we, I'm sure we do, but we're leading into it nicely. So okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that we're, we're done with it by any stretch. We're, we're getting into it. But, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's where it all, I mean, that's where it all comes from. I mean, the Democrats want their their centrist neoliberal. Don't you guys love the stuff that um that the media proclaims disqualifies you for being president? Like um Bernie Sanders had a heart attack, so he can't be president. Like, like, like you know they like they love to like throw stuff like out that out there that like then we just like, throw all of these people out and get some young people in here and not, not have everybody be over um, seventy. <laughs> like the idea that like you can't be president of the United States. Because you know you're 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 in your seventies, and at one point in your life you had a heart attack. The idea that because of that you can't be president. I know guys in their sixties who still swing a hammer for a living every day because they have to go to work who have had heart attacks. Yeah. I, I know guys who work in warehouses that you know have had heart attacks. You know, th- there's like it's a thing that happens. You know, sometimes you die from heart attacks. Sometimes you have one and you live. I mean, yeah, I know people that have you know. They had a heart attack, and then they worked as a mailman for another fifteen years. Just have <laughs> yeah, a really I mean, good VP. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's so. This idea that that you know disqualifies you for president is just it's contrived. 
You know, it's it's well, like everything it, else. It is. Everything is is contrived. And in essence, this we hear doctors come out and say, you know, about Bernie's surgery that he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. He well, it, somebody had mentioned to me a while ago. You know, the you know when somebody becomes president, they you know they they give them that physical, and then they come out and usually it's probably the president just handpicks their doctor and you know they say what they want to say anyway. But they you know they give them this physical. This was big. This became big when Ronald Reagan first you know became president because he was the first president in the seventies. You know, or, or elected in the seventies. You know, so they they make this big deal and people. Somebody had said to me the other day, and just an honest question said, "Well, yeah, but I mean, what if they don't pass the physical? There's nothing in the Constitution about that physical. <laughs> <laughs> nothing whatsoever. There's also nothing in the Constitution about tax return, releases either. Uh, no, there isn't. Right? Absolutely not. Um, there's there's nothing in the Constitution about half the pageantry of the process anyway. Right. No. Exactly. And that's if which if somebody is elected president and they are inaugurated, they win the electoral college, they become president. And they have the physical, and doctor comes out and says, "Huh, by my uh, by my calculations, this guy's got about three weeks to live." And then two and a half weeks later, the guy dies. He was still president. <laughs> you know, not become president because the physical didn't come through. This is there is nothing to this stuff. It's I don't know which one of you guys just said pageantry, but it's it's pageantry. Yes. Hey, hey Josh. Um, Dorf mentioned something about the constitution. You mentioned something about the constitution too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have something here that relates to that and kind of how these two parties control it, it, mm-hmm. it how, how they Let's control the yeah. landscape and it, it, it brings the constitution into this because it, it 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 compares it makes the comparison with the constitution just how you know just how ludicrous some of this stuff is and this comes from the from um the medium.com and it said, evidence of enforcement that keeps third parties out of elections can be found in government rules, the detailed workings of administration at all levels. It turns out that rules represent an area where both parties can agree on many things. In Article 1 of the Constitution, the rights, duties, and obligations of the legislative, of the legislative branch are laid out in 10 brief sections. But the House rule book is, do you know how many pages the House rule book is? How many? 1,500 pages. (laughs) This multi-volume tome spells out exactly how the duopoly divides the spoils of power, entrenching partisan advantage over problem solving. And it's, and it's been this way for years. So I, I, I agree (laughs) with you that, and that's, you know, Adam, that's, that's goes right with the point I was, I was making very early on in this discussion is that, you know, think of, look at the disdain that, you know, a lot of people talk about the libertarians as being kind of like, I mean, we, we've joked in the past, you know, what, what's a, a libertarian is a Republican who smokes pot or, uh, um, or it's a Democrat who likes guns. Um, and uh, a Green Party candidate is, they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a Democrat who still thinks Democrats should be liberal or, you know, like, like they used to claim to be. But in essence... Who hates the Green Party? The Democrats hate the Green Party. Who hates the Libertarians? Republicans. The Republicans hate the Libertarians. But the truth is, do the Republicans hate the Democrats? No, they don't. Do the Democrats hate the Republicans? No. They pretend like they do all the time. But then they go behind closed doors and they just... They fix this stuff. No, you, you, know, you hear Joe Biden talking about, oh, look, I, I, I could work with Republicans. I might even have a Republican vice president, <laughs> vice president uh, on my ticket. John Kerry. Yeah, well, it's it's 
Yeah, that's good. That's going to get you votes among. Remember when John Kerry ran, he uh, he asked John McCain to be his running mate because him and John McCain were so close and he was dying to unify the party. It's like you asked John McCain to be a running mate because you talked about it beforehand and you knew he was going to say no. <laughs> that's the only reason it, just so you could say that to make both of you look better because well we have a commitment to make to our constituents and to the parties that got us elected and we don't think that that's what the american people really want at this stage even though we you know really respect each other stop it like that that didn't happen like are, are we all do you think we're all stupid like that didn't really happen that wasn't an actual conversation that took place where he said, I'd like you to be my running mate, John. Okay, let me go home and talk to the wife about it. <laughs> you know, like, that, that didn't happen. Like, stop it. Just stop, you know, stop making stuff up. But the Republicans and Democrats, they like each other. They, it's, it's a game. They, I'm not sure they like Donald Trump right now. You know, there, there are definitely right. candidates where they, you know. And Michelle Obama and George W. Bush are like best friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, I've tried to avoid making myself sound like too much of a conspiracy theorist in this whole thing. Yeah. But that's, I mean, I wanted to say something about that when you guys brought up Ross Perot as well, is that lest we forget that, you know, yes, Ross Perot did get the 19%. Ross Perot was ahead of the polls in front of Bill Clinton and George you know, George Bush Sr. We just used to call him George Bush back in the day. But, you know, it was ahead of Bush and, and Clinton. Until he dropped out of the election. For very mysterious reasons. And I know. It's, you know, I got my tinfoil hat on too tight. But what were those reasons? Wasn't we the, know it's because his daughter was being threatened. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We, we, I mean, we know that. Mm -hmm. Oh, Who's, well, the Republicans and Democrats had nothing to do with that. Who was threatening his daughter? Did they, though? Did, did they have nothing to do with that, though? <laughs> you know, I mean, really, there's, if if you believe the polls, and hey, side note, I don't, but if you believe the polls, Ross Pro is going to win that election. He was, he really was. He was going to win that election. He certainly was going to get some electoral votes anyway. You know, that, that was going to happen for sure. Now, if he got some electoral votes and it went to the House, would he have won? No. <laughs> Even if he got more votes than... Bush or Clinton, no, it's it's Republicans and Democrats in the House, so they they wouldn't have voted for him. But it would have been a lot more interesting. That that side note in history would have been more than that. And the Reform Party that he created afterwards, maybe it could have been something. You know, maybe we'd be looking at the Democrats versus the Reform right now, or the Republicans versus the Reform right now, or God willing, the Reform versus somebody else. You know, that 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 could have happened, and they couldn't let that happen. Uh, hey, you guys, Dorf has to go. Oh, yeah, I got I to gotta get out of here, guys. This is getting too late for me. I got to go. All right. Thanks, Dorf. Thanks for hey, Have a good rest of the show, guys. No, thanks. We, we appreciate it, man. You're good. Take care. See you, dude. Later. Um, you know, so I, mean, I like a minor question I have here is, do the two parties actively squash minor parties? I think they do. Yeah. And, okay. and not, not, only, do. not only do they... Now, I feel like the Republicans wouldn't even deny that they try to squash the Libertarian Party and the Reform Party and the Free Taxpayers and the Constitution Party. And the and I feel like the Democrats wouldn't really even deny that, yeah, we try to quash 
they would probably say something like we bring them in to the fold but you know yeah the democrats try to quash the green party and um the socialist party that once existed and um that's all i can think of off the top of my head well, right now. Do, I mean, but yeah. what i would say is the two parties work together to crush these small parties. oh they absolutely do they absolutely yeah. do i mean again it goes back to that it goes back to competition and if the Democrats only had to worry about the Republicans and the Republicans only had to worry about the Democrats, well, that benefits both of them. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they do go out of their way to, to squash these parties, but they they don't make it sound like that. You just said it, Josh, that, oh, they'll, they'll take them in. Mm -hmm. They'll take them in. I mean, is Bernie actually a Democrat? No, he's a, he's a Democratic Socialist. Um, and, yeah, originally elected as an independent. Yeah, you know, I mean, just... I mean, he's yeah, and uh, and he, and and what happens? You, they bring you in. You can, um, yeah, he caucus with them. He, he caucus, always you, did caucus. You, with you, them. you could caucus with them, but you've got to follow their rules, mm -hmm. and their rules are are going to are going to benefit the mainstream of the party. That's how it is. And um, a couple of other, I, I've got a couple of other things here, Josh. Sure, if I go could for it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one thing here, I mean, it's 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 really just it just goes to show just how I mean, it's not even it's not even um, it's so obvious how much control they want. You know, they don't even care about it hiding this control or anything anymore. But a single donor can give eight hundred forty-seven thousand. Dollars to either party every year, but an individual can give an independent only five thousand four hundred dollars. That's fair. Um, every other year, so not every oh. every other year. Oh, okay. I'm glad they they put in that last addendum too. Just to that's just like an extra yeah. kick in the nuts. <laughs> not, not even necessary. You've you've already rigged the system, but we'll just we'll kick you in the nuts one more time since you're already down. Another thing, the Hassert rule, named for former House Speaker uh, Dennis Hassert or Hastert, Sorry, lets a speaker, a single individual, keep a bill from coming to vote, even if the majority of the House is in favor of passing it. So one person, so Nancy Pelosi, mm -hmm. can keep something from passing and going to the floor if they don't like it. And I imagine that it'd be rude of me right now to bring up the fact that um, that guy's now a convicted pedophile. Okay. Dennis Astro. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yes. Yeah. But that's yeah, cool. They still name it after him. But if, if the media actually, you know, talked about things that were important we would probably have an entire government full of convicted pedophiles because <laughs> right, of of course. one other <laughs> one other thing that's interesting about this about this um house speaker thing though mm -hmm. josh i mean i spent i didn't want to say too much about impeachment tonight oh but, no no that's fine um notice too because nancy pelosi was against impeachment the entire time mm -hmm. the entire time until it involved joe biden right all of a sudden when it involves joe biden Oh, that's when we're going to go ahead and do something about it. Now we're going to go ahead and investigate uh, Donald Trump and then impeach Donald Trump. We won't worry about everything else that has happened during mm -hmm. his presidency. We're going to do it when he involves a a corporate mainstream Democrat. I mean, you can't you can't say that if this was Bernie Sanders or Tulsi Gabbard that um, that uh, that that Donald Trump was seeking, you know, sure, foreign dirt on right, right. Nancy Pelosi would still be like, ah, you know, it's still not the right time, you know. We want to, we want to sit here and, and and look into it a little bit sure, more. Sure, sure. But I mean, that's, I mean, th that 
that's exactly you know what she was probably doing in all of this mm-hmm. was was you know she could wait on it until it involves one of her guys right. and, and does that help the democratic party or um progressive policies or liberal policies not really does it help the duopoly yeah it might but, help but, it, but, it, but that's exactly why though mm-hmm. i mean you could it, it wouldn't surprise me if biden was running for the sole purpose of something like this happening because there's a million other things you could probably actually impeach trump on but they wait till now to do it because their f- pool of candidates just sucks and it, they're going to be better off basically beating up on trump for another four years so they decide to do this it basically gets a lot of support for him and it's also on top of that it's a diversion from all the other shit that's actually going on out there mm-hmm. epstein I, war like fucking I, everything I, I mean i disagree with you ed in this in the case that you know their candidates so, i mean i think i think bernie sanders and i'm i'm a well, Bernie, like, Bernie Sanders was a much better candidate four years ago. I think. I think. I think. I think Bernie Sanders is still a is still a really good candidate. But Bernie Sanders, I mean, I mean, did, I mean, is, did they want him in the equation? No. I mean, there's no. Like, no they, but he's he's not really one of the people they're considering. The same with Tulsi, because no. I think either of those two would actually make for a, a slightly more interesting election. Well, it, I mean, they oh. offer different. They offer different ideas. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not really. I'm not a Tulsi fan either, but. Um, she's something different. She's not a she's not a corporate mainstream Democrat, but I think you're right in the sense that you know that that it's very very convenient for Nancy Pelosi to have impeachment go on now because it it fits two of her it fits two things for her. Mm-hmm. It fits you know protecting Joe Biden and. It fits protecting the rest of her mainstream liberal Democrats, and I'm using the term liberal because mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing the. I've, I've I've discovered that liberal means something more so than it actually. Because right now, I mean, conservatives use it, I think, in the wrong sense. But yeah. um, she's protecting mainstream liberal Democrats like Joe Biden, like. Mayo Pete, who I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him Mayo Pete from now on because you know it's what he is. Um, and Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth yeah. Warren is a liberal, now a mainstream Democrat. The way that she's running her campaign, she is now a mainstream liberal Democrat. To to tie into two points that both of you made earlier, um, Tulsi Gabbard. I'm not a Tulsi Gabbard fan. I, I, I don't like no, her policies at all. I don't but, like, and I don't, I'm sorry, one thing, I don't like, I mean, one thing that I don't like about Tulsi is the way that she is cozying up to um, that hard line, far right, uh, you know, Hindu nationalism in India with Modi. And it's not entirely her. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, what's funny about that too is you'll see people rip on Tulsi for that. But the thing is, is, you know who cozied up to Modi and kind of that, you know, not necessarily the hardline Hindu nationalism. It was Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama cozied up to Modi like oh, yeah. no other. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm well, not about. And the, the thing with Tulsi that I was going to point out is libertarians are gravitating towards <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, which, which bugs me about her. I didn't, 
I, I disliked her less when she was just a Democrat running for office. But now that all these libertarians, which I often identify with the libertarian ideology, not the libertarian party per se, but the libertarian ideology, they're cozying up to her when she is in no way a libertarian. Not even close. There is nothing libertarian about Tulsi Gabbard except one thing. She's anti-war, which goes back to the point that Ed was making early on, that people are sick of war. So this they're, is, they're sick of it. They don't want to be at war all the time. And you have these libertarians, basically, you know, libertarian party, the party that's always accused. I, mean, I know I'm criticizing them, and I'm also sticking up for them here. This party that's always accused of, oh, you won't vote for anybody unless they're the perfect candidate. No, Tulsi Gabbard is the most flawed and imperfect libertarian ever. But she's saying, hey, War, let, let's let's stop these wars now. And the libertarians are saying, hey, let's listen to her. You know, like, yeah, she, you know, honestly, Tulsi Gabbard sucks on gun control. If you're if you yeah. have if you have even the littlest bit of libertarian in you. I mean, so this idea that people are always saying that the libertarians won't vote for anybody, they'll just it's like, no, that isn't true. The libertarians are actually flocking, uh, not all, but many libertarians are flocking to this woman just because she's saying, hey, we're going to like stop sending our kids over to die. So a couple a couple things in that. One, she actually is suing Google because essentially censorship, which shows you that the Democratic Party has a couple possible candidates in mind. And she's not one of them because she is anti-war because most Americans, unless they've been brainwashed by TV are anti-war. Everybody's anti-war at this point. Honestly, I think the best thing for this country for the next year, I'm not necessarily pro either of these candidates, but I think especially if, if Bernie somehow ekes out the nomination or maybe possibly even Tulsi, it'll be really good for this this country because you know, we're obviously we're on the brink of war right now. It might possibly happen, but Trump will have to back off. That's something he ran on in 2016, and he would just utterly destroy himself if he went to war. Bernie's going to be very anti-war, and it'll essentially, I think, it would cause him to back off and probably postpone things for at least another year. It, and <laughs> one, of, one of the problems I have with this, though, is that I don't think it's up to the president. I don't. And I know I'm talking conspiracy stuff now. I know I'm talking about a cabal, but Donald yeah. Trump ran as an anti-war candidate. Mm -hmm. Barack Obama ran as an anti-war candidate. We we're at war for the entire Obama administration. Quite frankly, there isn't actually that many presidents in U.S. history that you can say over their eight years. He was, I mean, Barack Obama was a wartime president from the day he took office till the day he left. George W. Bush ran. I mean, one of his most famous things he said more than once, he said, I just don't think the United States should be the world's policeman. Cheers abound. He said it in the, re I mean, one of the few things that he said in a Republican primary and it got cheers. Then he said it in the general election and it got cheers. Yeah. And what he, oh my God, he was the exact opposite of that. And he was saying that he said that to cheers before 9-11 before Iraq, before mm -hmm. Afghanistan. We weren't even at war when he said that. Mm -hmm. it, it got cheers from Republicans. It got cheers from Democrats. It got cheers from moderates. It got cheers from America is who it got cheers from. Right now, we're in Iraq. We all know that the reason we went there was complete bullshit. We're still there years later. Iraq says, we want you the fuck out of here. 
we're still in Iraq. Like nobody, this makes in no way, can you spin this to say we shouldn't pull out of all of those countries and head home? And listen, and I know we're getting sidetracked here, but we're making good points. So, you know, and I know we're running short on time as well. But listen, I understand you get attacked, you attack back. I mean, I, I understand that that's the way the world works in a lot of ways. But think of some of the the talking points they use. Think of some of the minutiae they use that, okay, well, Iran just attacked us on American soil. Did they, though? No. I mean, they well, attacked our embassy. Could, well, the embassy is American soil. Is it, though? You can make, is it? You can, you can make a good argument that the United States has killed more Iranian civilians than Iran has killed American civilians. But why, why is the em, an embassy... The embassy is American soil. Why? Because we said it is. That's yeah. why. And yeah. because the UN says it is. You know, that's... More so know. the United States because because the United Nations... We deserve claims, to get attacked for being over there right now. <laughs> you know, and you hear you hear little things that they, like, glaze over in the media. They say things like, like well, they were attacked in Iraq, which is the largest, uh, largest U.S. embassy in the world. Why the fuck is Iraq the home of yeah. the largest U.S. embassy? They're not our ally. You They're know, not our... You know, I mean, the largest U.S. embassy should be in, like, England. You know, we're, we're just buddies. Like, yeah, yeah oh, Josh, oh, yeah. I'm actually, well, actually kind of glad you bring this up because good. one thing, too, when when the United States, when they launched that attack on Soleimani and they killed him, this just goes to show how, how both Republican Democrats are basically the same because you look at the statements that many of the candidates came out with except for Bernie Sanders and um, Tulsi Gabbard, even though they were both kind of different themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they all came out basically justifying the attacks and then saying how it was wrong to do it. Almost every single one of them. Mayo Pete did. Um, Biden did. Elizabeth Warren did. Um, they all did except Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard. Bernie Sanders, his, his statement was actually pretty funny. He came out and said, I voted against. I was against Vietnam. I was against Iraq. I was against Afghanistan. I think that was basically his statement. But Tulsi Gabbard came out and said that, um, you know, it was wrong, basically from the standpoint of spending money on it, which is why I think she, again, another reason why mm-hmm. she probably appeals to to libertarians and not so much sure. far left leftists. But w- um, one thing that too, they're she's probably trained not to commit political suicide when it looked like we were on the verge of actually going to war. If once the war is launched, like you don't want to be anti-war and, it, it, and if it were launched all those candidates you just thought not not bernie and tulsi but all the other ones biden and oh, they don't else, they're, they're, they're just to say oh i'll do the war better i mean they're not going to sure. be anti-war at all yeah sure. no you're absolutely right i mean no, they, 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 they want to criticize the minutiae of how donald trump killed this guy who is a bastard by the way screw him i'm glad he's dead you know i mean come on whatever screw him right? but you know, didn't have other opportunities but, to kill this guy right. in the past like it was they're trying to start a war <laughs> no i mean it's that's why i i and there's not somebody else that's going to take his spot. Right, right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, they said that immediately afterwards yeah. that there was. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And that's why people look at me like I am from Jupiter when I say this. And I have been saying this for, for five years. But I firmly believe that it is bad for the ideology you think you support to win elections. It's bad to have your president in there. I mean, let's face it. Democrats are only anti-war when a Republican is president. 
They're 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 this they're this huge peacekeeping. We hate war. We are so anti-war when a Republican's president. Then as soon as a Democrat's president, they're fine with it. They hate they and, hate when you. Bring and that's up, not new either. No, they hate when you bring up how many uh, how many Muslims Obama bombed. Right. You know? They do. I mean, um, funny that none of the Democrats were anti-war when Obama was president. None of them were anti-war when uh, when uh, Clinton went into uh, what's the Black Hawk Down movie about uh, uh, Somalia? Somalia. None of them were anti-war then. None of them were anti-war when FDR and Truman were, you know, in World War Two. Or when Clinton uh, went into Bosnia. Too. None of them were anti-war when LBJ and, and Kennedy were in Vietnam. Which is yeah. bullshit war. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and really, not well, pretty much all of them. Yeah, you know, they and really, I mean. Well, none of them were anti-war when uh, Woodrow Wilson was in World War One. You know, and really, and same with the the Republicans. Anybody, anybody anti-war for World War Two? <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, I am a person that believes there's such thing as a just war, yeah. and and if if there ever was such a thing as a just war, it was probably World War Two. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, uh, you know, Nazis. You know, <laughs> you know, F Nazis. They suck. You know, but. Except afterwards for the United States when you want to hire them to take down communism. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. No, it's... Oh, wait. Some of these Nazis are pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can you help us uh, eradicate <laughs> communism? Yeah. We could We could use that over here. I, I know you killed a bunch of Jews, but, but you know, you're, you're sorry, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're sorry for that? Come on over. Come on over. No. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> Okay, whatever. What is is it? Mangala? Is that the guy that they Joseph Mangala? Yeah, that they they brought over that. Like this guy wasn't just like a Nazi because he was German, and you know, okay, you know, you're part of the government, and then the Nazis take over. This he like he's a guy that really liked killing Jewish people. No, the the nineteen like really liked killing Jewish people. You know, something else. The 1953 coup in Iran that the United States and and Britain helped, or the United Kingdom helped helped orchestrate the prime minister that they put in to power under the under the shah who they again put mm-hmm. back into power helped the nazis in world war Two. Mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's yeah it's it's stupid. yeah because they've been friends for for decades yeah. for decades it's like at this point it's like like why are we still even talking with people who are friends with nazis <laughs> how long ago that was but and, and same with you know when when there's a Democratic president and they talk about gun control, every Republican starting the boogaloo. Every single one of them is just what they're going to take our guns. Barack Obama's going to take our guns. Every one of them is taken to the streets. They're grabbing their rifles. They're arming their kids. It's it's time for the boogaloo. Then Donald <laughs> then Donald Trump bans bump stocks. It's like eh, bump stocks are dumb anyway. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, that, 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 that's that's the Republican Party. Or talks about taking away the guns first. Worry about the uh, worry about the right. No, it, it, well, you know, yeah, we should have common sense gun control. Like, no, we, you statist bastard. We we should have like that's 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 what you claim to not stand. That, that's if you support the Second Amendment. No, you're not for common sense gun control because that's made up. That's not a thing. You know that 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 isn't a thing. You know, because you know, I mean, people hear me say that and say, "Oh, you're not. You just want all the psychos to have guns." No, I didn't say that. That, that. that line just reeks of I know nothing about statistics or the Constitution. I'm just repeating what I heard on the right. media. Right. Right. 
right. Every, you know, everyone is for freedom of speech until they're shutting up the other tribe. Then, 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 you know, then, well, I mean, but your freedom of speech doesn't cover that. Like, oh, it doesn't. <laughs> Pretty sure it does. Actually, everybody, you know, everybody is for freedom of speech when you know their tribe is talking. But as soon as the other one starts to talk, then no, you're you're not for freedom of speech anymore. You know, every, you know, uh, the, you know, they they love to throw out these terms. The the tribes love to throw out these terms. You know, the Republicans want to tell you that they're small government, but then they want to vote for the law and order president. Should they? So, said that in a while, though. Well, no, Republican voters. Oh okay. no, no, I not not the uh, you know, Republican voters claim that the Republican Party is small government. And you know what? I'll I'll defend the Republican Party for a second. Actually, the Republican Party never, not from from eighteen fifty eight till right now, they've never been a small government party. A lot of Republican voters claim that they're small government. You know, that they themselves want small government. But the Republican Party's never been a small government party. No, never. Never in its history. But, you know, they, we're, the, we're, we're for small government. But we're, the, we, we're voting for the law and order president. Which one is it? Pick one. Because those are great things to claim you're for, I guess. Because they sound good. But it's one or the other, really. <laughs> You know, you, you you can't be, you know, we're the, for the law and order president. We're for small government. Oh, okay, because that makes sense. Nowhere. No, I mean, it, it just doesn't. Sorry. And, you know, I mean, the, their list of hypocrisy never ends. And I, I like like I've said, I, I truly believe that. I mean, I'll, I'll throw a statement out. If I'm crazy to say this, tell me I'm crazy. Really, I don't mind if you guys tell me I'm crazy on this, but I contend that the two parties are run together by the same small group of elites. I know that's uh, okay. If you're just you're, you know, a lot of people would hear that statement say I'm a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist, but I will say that, and I will. I think this podcast tonight has offered a lot of proof that that conspiracy, because it is a conspiracy theory, by the way, because they would both deny it. And I am here, sitting here, not giving you the name of the list of elites. You know, I mean, I could name some. The Bush family. Um, you know, the Clinton family. <laughs> you know, I mean, the Bushes and the Clintons, I, I would contend. Our buddies and are on the exact same side. Well, they are buddies. I mean, it's they. they I, I would something. contend that they are on the absolute exact same side of this battle. Yeah, that's not something that is. I, I, it's secret anymore that they're buddies. Um, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's certain. You know, just a, a few select people. Um. I mean, it's it's, it's many select people. I mean, it's many. It's many entities, I guess. It's corporations. It's it's um, you know mainstream media. It's um, you know different uh, lobbying groups. I mean, it's it, Bohemian Grove. There's a whole bunch of that's of different entities. I think that that play a huge hand in in, in mainstream politics in this country. And it's I I would contend 
that George Soros and the surviving Koch brother would much rather sit down and have a cup of coffee with each other than with anyone in this room. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Since they fund all this shit, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, and uh, whoever the uh, leading Rockefeller is, or, you know. No, it's, it's probably getting a little too Alex Jonesy for me, but. I mean, perhaps, but, you know, we all know that they, they love to hang out together at the, you know, Bohemian Grove and the Bilderberg Group. and Bohemian Grove, that's a uh, it's mainly Republican thing. Um, it's, it's mainly Republicans. I mean, I don't think George Soros hangs out at Bohemian Oh, a lot Grove. of Democrats do, though. A lot of Democrats do. Um, hey, that, if, what, what you're saying is, is actually just kind of could, could be used as proof to show that it's really just the Republicans running both parties. No, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that at all. You know, I mean, yeah, it is, it is, it's like probably 75% Republicans at Bohemian Grove, but, um, like I said, Bill, I don't, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama both got invites like I said, before I they became I, president. When we did the Bohemian Grove show, though, I didn't believe that Bohemian Grove was necessarily one of those things that, you know, they go and, I think they do. I think they go and they talk about policy. Yeah. But. Well, that, that's all I'm saying right now. I'm, I'm not, I'm not making Hey, and I'll make it some other time, but I'm not making any, uh, Satan worshiping claim right now. I'm just saying when they tell you that they go to Bohemian Grove, cause they like to hang out and, uh, sit around campfires and sing and. What did Clint say about it? Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that where all them Republicans run around naked? <laughs> <laughs> and in that thing, they, he denied that he had ever been. And, now we know that he has. Oh, didn't he deny going to uh, Petal Island, too? Yeah. And there's flight records. Probably. All those same people go there, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, and, and that's, uh, you know, I, I just, when they when they claim that they go to those places and don't discuss policy, yeah, right. You know, same, same with the Bilderberg group. No, it's just a bunch of people hanging out talking. Yeah, you don't discuss any policy. Yeah, okay, so... So George Bush, Bill Clinton, and Tony Blair uh, all meet up once a year with, it, with a bunch of other people, and they don't discuss any policy. Maybe they, they just... don't discuss it; it gets dictated to them. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. But, hey, um, I don't want to cut anybody else off. That's about all I got. I, I do want to close with something. If you guys want to – if you if, do you guys want to say anything else? Or mm-hmm. No, we're about to go to Pumpkin, right? Mm-hmm. I would contend. One more thing that I would contend is – and I wish Dorf was still here for this because Dorf was kind of, I think, trying to make um, an argument for the, the good parts of a two-party system. I actually am not really technically against a two-party system. I would contend that we don't have a two-party system. That's why I continually use the word duopoly. So at the beginning when you asked me in lightning round i had to answer yes or no as i him and hod sure the reason i picked the answer is because of essentially i was going to go there a two-party system isn't necessarily inherently evil in fact it would be good to actually have something like that but it's just everything underneath it is subverted and it's sure. just it isn't there it's if, just it's an illusion if it's like it was when it was the federalists versus the democrat republicans um 
which people always laugh at that term that when it's it's such a confusing thing that it's called the Democrat Republicans. Well, that party came first, jerks. <laughs> it wasn't confusing to them. <laughs> they didn't have Democrats and Republicans yet, so it wasn't confusing for them to be called Democrat Republicans because they lived in a republic, but they believed in democracy. Crazy. <laughs> but with, under that system where it can change, but... Now we're stuck with, we've been stuck with Republicans and Democrats since 1860, a little bit before 1860. Well, no, from 1860, because that's the first time Republicans won the presidency. We've been stuck with it since then. And in a world where we can't stand um, having the same smartphone for three years. I can. Or, well, I know I can, but you, you're a, but, you know, you're, you're a fringe loon, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a world where we have, you know, where we, you know, have to have the newest TV and um, have to change cable companies every few years, we just are totally content with the exact same political parties for pushing two hundred years. Are you saying like the opposite of all the things? That I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, right. Yeah, that's my old ass. No, well, I, I, I is a fringe loon. <laughs> you are a fringe loon, Ed, like me. Um, and hell, Adam's kind of a fringe loon too. But hey, let's let's go to pumpkin. Um, I hope this was informative for you. I, I know I keep saying one more thing. Listen, if you if you're listening to this show and you think we're off on something, look it up. Look into this stuff, please, because I want to say that I tried to do some last minute prep last night and this afternoon by watching some YouTube videos about similar subjects, and I must say I was appalled by just how wrong everybody was. How stupid these videos were. It was always some right-winger preaching or some left-winger preaching, and they were so stupid. They're so stupid. So I hope that people listening to this because anybody... didn't think, God, these guys are so stupid. Because that's all I thought with every single one I found. So I hope this one was informative. And if it wasn't informative enough, look it up, guys. Do, do some research, all right? Please. Anyone interesting on YouTube probably got banned already. So. But yeah, per perhaps, perhaps. All right, Ed is reaching into Pumpkin. We're getting a little crackly here, but Ed is reaching into Pumpkin to... Um, that's, what, that's what Adam gets up from the seat for one second and all, those, you know, all his magic starts to fade away. He, <laughs> he, keeps this, he, he keeps these productions together uh, excellently. But all right, Ed has chosen something from Pumpkin, and Adam is about to read it. Okay, um, coming up on the, um, coming it's up. It's actually going to be two weeks from today, right? Yeah. Which is a little bit different than our regular schedule, what we're going to do in two weeks from today. I have no idea what this one is. Go ahead, Josh. Oh. Cogito Ergo Sum. Is that Ed's? No. no. What is it? Cogito Ergo Sum translates, that, that is Latin, that translates to... I think, therefore I am. Okay. So we shall uh, discuss this philosophical question, which is an age-old philosophical question. Um, that, although it's translated to Latin, it's actually more from the 1700s and 1800s is when it got its, um, a, a lot of what we'll get from. But uh, this is a very interesting topic, I promise you. And this is, not, this is a completely non-political topic, so it'll be a good, uh, good switch from tonight. And this is a this is a truly deep issue. This is a philosophical question. I think, therefore, I am. This uh, references the entire idea of existence. Without uh, talking too much about the show before it happens, this is basically asking, you know, 
when philosophers ask themselves, are we really here? Who are we? What are we doing here? The idea that we only know we're here because, well, because I just told myself I'm here. I think, therefore I am. Cogito ergo sum. So looking forward to that one. That will be on January 28th, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the Deep Issues podcast, everyone. And we will see you in this time slot next week for the X-Cast. And in two weeks, we will be here again with the Deep Issues crew. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Happy New Year. Thank you.